Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me this week is Vince. Zach is not here this week. Seems like both of you guys are getting a break, and I never get a break. When is my break, Vince? You can. You're the boss. Take a break whenever you want. Yeah, we'll see what happens when the boss takes a break. The wheels will totally fall <laughs> off, and nothing will ever happen again. But that's okay. You just gotta edit the show, and we're done. That's all. We, we'll we'll ship you the file. Okay, we'll talk about it. Anyway, we are here to talk about the comics being released on the 15th of February, 2022, starting with Aquaman, The Becoming, number six, written by Brandon Thomas, illustrated by Serg Acuna and Diego Ortiugi. And I want to start talking about the art here, because is it odd to you, because it's a little bit odd to me, that we have had now a number of miniseries solicited with artists who aren't like superstar consistently late artists like say a Jim Lee who have been not finishing out their work on the minis I feel like this is happening more and more often at DC specifically happened in the Black Manta series with Matthew Dow Smith coming in for um was it Valentine Delandro yeah yeah uh you know so do you notice this trend too and if so is it a problem um yeah i i notice it um is it a problem i mean i don't think of it any differently than i don't think of it it is a problem but i don't think of it any differently than when there is a ongoing artist on an ongoing title who all of a sudden disappears and gets replaced by a uh fill in or even worse like the thing where they drop the artist after three books and the artist that was sold as the artist of this comic never comes back right you know yeah i look at it exactly the same and i don't usually like it unless they replace the artist with somebody that i consider an upgrade Mm -hmm. um but i think it's just the state of things and i think the i think you i think you can kind of tell not to denigrate Aquaman the Becoming because it's it's a fine comic and I I actually probably like it better than it deserves. Um, and I think it's, you know, very solid as far as superhero comics go, but it's not the prestige uh, mini that say like uh, uh, these days the, the black label titles are. Sure. Or like marvel does with like the life story stuff like right right. i feel like i feel like at dc and marvel you can tell when there's a mini that is meant to be a prestige mini that is perennially on the market or like getting recommended by people who recommend graphic novels to people Mm -hmm. or something like this where it is a mini series that takes place squarely within continuity that is meant to work within continuity. It just happens that the editors or the writer or whoever just decided, Hey, this is only going to be six issues. Right. It, it acts the way one of their ongoings does, but it's just happens to be a mini. Sure. I, I guess where I feel it's a little bit more surprising is for something like this. I, to me, the, the monthly grind is really easy to understand why that, grind somebody down right you you're you're dealing with a lot more uh i i would presume again I, i'm not in the comic industry so what the fuck do i know but like i would presume that if this was an aquaman ongoing you would have 
editorial changes that will be coming in because the book is progressing towards an unknown endpoint and because the book is playing in the universe kind of pretty broadly. Whereas here, this this seems like this was something that was very, very much pitched as one thing because it's leading into Aquaman. So you know what the story is. You have to you have to get from point A to point B. And so when you're putting the book together, you should be able to find artists or at least you should be. And I'm not blaming the artist here. Maybe editorials to blame here, but you should be setting them up where they have enough time to deliver six issues worth of work. Yeah. Does that make sense? That that oh, line of thinking? Yes, but I think that's idealistic. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I think it's I think it's um it's a little it's a little Pollyanna-ish if you think about what how the big two and do their uh, publishing these days, you know? Yeah. I think, I think again, you can tell when a story is meant to be part of the churn of the current continuity. And when there's actually like the prestige push behind it. Sure. Um, And that's different strokes for different folks. Like some people prefer comics like this. They prefer the week to week grind that's within continuity and you know honestly i go back and forth as to whether i like that more or less than the right right more showy stuff you know it's all it's all about the mood that i'm currently in sure um but yeah i can i oh excuse me something in my throat um can i give you my really cynical take on kind of how this happens sure um it feels to me and this is this is really cynical and unfair, I think, but it, it almost feels to me like this whole story could have been done in two issues. You're not you, wrong about that. Yeah. Like you could have the first issue that sets everything up and you could have effectively this last issue. And the problem is, is that they, they pack so much into this last issue as far as like, well, let me scroll through it real quick. You've got the, the fight where, like uh, his sister and mother kind of like join the fray. Um, a lot is forgiven. You know, there's, there's all these misgivings that Jackson has about his family because there's, you know, his sister may have betrayed him in the past or his mother did something awful, you know, but they didn't know the full story, whatever. All of that is resolved. And there are a lot of changes of feelings about, one another in this issue alone. Mm -hmm. And so it almost works as if it's, it's not that you don't need issues two through five, but it's that they're padded out a little more when the stuff that really happens, like the, the shit that really happens that really defines these characters and, and uh, is supposed to be setting them up for what they're going to be in a, in a, future status quo happens in issue one and issue six kind of i don't know if we said this on the air or off the air last week but we had i think it was on the air we had said that we're talking about uh, the shadows of the bat event and saying how it wasn't actually 12 issues worth of story and i said something like all 12 issue stories should either be six issue stories or 18 issue stories like that. Everything is either too compressed or too decompressed. 
Yeah. And this feels like this should have been. I think if I think that both this and Black Manta could have been three issue miniseries. Probably trim, some, trim yeah. some fat from them and you get one. And I think it would kind of been cool if it had been done like um, what was the book that DC was putting out for a while where you literally had to flip it over. It was half one book and half the other. Do you remember that? Oh, there was there was wasn't, a gimmick. Wasn't, there was a like a Green Lantern one that was like that, right? Yes. Um, but you could almost do the book like that, where you had half of each of these stories each month, and maybe then it is a six issue series, and it's six issues of of each title with only half an issue of each of them. Like to me, that could have been a very effective way to tell this story because you're right. I think that this issue really packs a lot in and a lot of stuff that would have hit differently if it had been building for a few issues Mm -hmm. it all feels very rushed here and while i liked a lot of this i mean i actually think that this does a really good job of sort of establishing where all of the major players aside from black manta are in the aquaman world right now and that's exactly what the what it was supposed to do right this is supposed to be our refresher course before the aquaman event and i think that from that perspective this absolutely did its job but this one issue you just have a lot of like you said back and forth a lot of can this person be trusted can they not be trusted and that stuff is all good it just it just felt incredibly rushed in this in this particular issue yeah i i feel like i feel like where this went wrong and i think it it's Again, like I, I really appreciate Brandon Thomas as a writer. So I blame, I blame the six issue mini structure on this more than I blame him, which is maybe that's either too light on him or it's, or it's uh, too harsh on the, yeah, I know what you mean. Or just a sense of, or just me assuming that things are one way when maybe they're another, but, um, what I think it resulted in, what it feels like it resulted in is this need well, they even they even play upon it in this issue when their mother is like or they say something like, well, why didn't you just tell us that in the first place? You know, right. Well, but the misunderstanding about what, you know, whether she killed all those people or, or what happened with that. And she was basically like, well, you were uh, I didn't have enough time or, or you were you were already so disappointed in me. I didn't want <laughs> to. It's some bullshit thing that that. Uh, writers of fiction do where they have to make a, a character have a misunderstanding that was easily avoidable. And what that served to do was kind of delay the fallout of these feelings between these, this family, uh, a few issues just to get to issue six. Right. Right. And I don't think like as smart a writer as Brandon Thomas is, I don't like when any writer does that because right. it feels so phony, you know, I really like this series quite a bit. I don't want to make it sound like I don't. Um, I think, you know, the art is, was up and down depending on who the artist was very much. Um, so, Yes. But, but Brandon Thomas did a good job of making me care about these characters and what's going on with them. And I think it sets up the intrigue of Atlantis and company uh, pretty nicely, but I just, I just hate when they do those like misunderstandings that, that delay important plot points from happening because that's not i think a lot of times somebody who would uh, argue with me would say 
oh well that's how you build that's how you build character uh development or whatever but no that that comes off as phony to me like just making it take longer yes isn't what actually builds it you know right right i think all the stuff that's done in this issue is fine except that it's all condensed into this issue you know Mm -hmm. yep absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, i I think that's a very apt observation for this and i think that you the way you know that we're right about it is that there are moments with mira and arthur where they do something that maybe is a little bit unexpected and it doesn't feel like oh wait a minute why are they doing this because we know that character so well that you can throw a little change in their character and it's not treated like it's this big this big hoopla. I find that what you're talking about, the big misunderstanding stuff, that only really works if one of the characters is not somebody you know particularly well. Yeah. Like like you 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 have to be learning about the character and that's why that's part of why the misunderstanding happened because we as readers don't instantly recognize like for instance if this story was that Mira had supposed to supposedly killed all these people, we as readers would instinctively say, this is bullshit. Mira wouldn't do that. And so they couldn't drag out the story as long as they might want to because you know it's not true. It This is like when Captain America became a Nazi. Like everybody recognized at some point, like this is some sort of super dickery bullshit because there's no way that this is actually the story they're telling it doesn't make sense and if you if you recall i think it was the next issue or two issues later that was revealed it's like no this isn't exactly what it what it looks like yeah. you can't get away with that decompression of these big plot points if you know the characters inside and out and so the fact that we're just meeting jackson's family here allows that to play out for longer than it probably should mm-hmm. um but yeah i thought this was good for the most part I just wish that it the art was a little bit better in parts, and I wish that it was. Um, I'll also say this: I think that some of the new characters, maybe this is because I did not reread it before coming back to this, but I feel like there were a lot of new Zabellian characters who I was maybe supposed to recognize, or I was supposed to have greater understanding of and feelings for than I did. Um, at different points. So maybe just if they could have differentiated those characters a little bit better in terms of personality, I'd have, I'd have appreciated it a little bit more too. Hmm. Um, but other than that, I thought this was, and I'm intrigued to see how this plays into the Aquaman series. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good setup. Um, yeah. I'm excited for that. That, that starts right away next week. Doesn't it, it? does. Yes. Um, yeah. And Thomas did did a fun thing where I mean to me it's fun. Some, including you, might find it obnoxious. But the uh, the bar that the issue ends. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, I like that. The issue ends with Black Manta and Arthur meeting at a bar, and I'm pretty sure it's the bar from Justice League. It's just Zack Snyder's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you know uh, that was that was fun. It, It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It's just a it's just a a visual thing that that's pretty funny. But well, hell, I think I, I mean, to give uh, Snyder a little bit of credit, I think in the context of that version of Aquaman, that's one of the more memorable things from oh, absolutely his, his movie, I think. Like, yes. 
Yeah, I think I think that now it was also kind of weird. They're all like singing this weird uh, <laughs> song for him when he goes into the ocean or whatever. Yes, yes. But very, but pretty memorable and and not a bad setting. Uh, so I I did think that was fun that they had the beer summit there. Yeah. Um. All right, let's move on to our next issue, which is Batman: The Night Number Two, written by Chip Zdarsky, illustrated by Carmine D.G. Domenico. So the reason we're talking about this book and uh, Green Lantern, which we got to in a little while here, is that the episode we recorded that that Zoom did not rec- the episode we made that Zoom did not record, we kind of went in depth on a couple of these books, and we felt like we needed to talk about them again so we could get them you know get get our opinions actually on tape here. So Vincey, what did you think of the second issue of the Chip Zdarsky Imagine a Batman Origin Story comic? Oh man, um, well. I will be kinder to this book if I talk about again what I felt about the first issue of this, which nobody heard. Um, because right. I didn't I liked the second issue less. Um uh but what I think about this comic in general is and we've said it so many times on the show at this point, like what few fans we have are gonna be like throwing tomatoes at us pretty soon, but this would probably be a fine comic for somebody who hasn't read a million Bruce Wayne stories before. And half of them contained an origin, you know? Right. Um, I, I, I think it's laughable to say that this is producing anything thematically that we haven't seen before. Um, I think it looks really nice. I think Dian D Domenico's art, um, is really great, really moody. Um, a little bit of like moody depth to it that I feel like I haven't seen before, or maybe, it, or maybe just wasn't like utilized in his flash stuff as much. Mm-hmm. Um, working a lot more with shadows in this that to, to a, to an effective degree. But I think like now get, getting to issue two of this, now he meets this like not Catwoman <laughs> over in France or whatever, wherever they are. I don't. Know. Are they in France? Is the, that right? Am yes, I... yes. They're in Paris. Okay, yeah. And and then Ducard's getting involved, and I just I, I feel like okay, I've seen this before. Maybe not in this exact arrangement or formula, but if you're trying to figure out what it's trying to get across thematically about, you know, Oh, Bruce is becoming a vigilante and he could go this way or he could go that way. We've seen it all before. Yes. Am I wrong? (laughs) No, no, not at all. I I think the weakest parts of this issue are when Bruce tries to articulate why he's not a vigilante or I shouldn't be it to me. It it read a lot like Christopher Moltisanti's script from the Sopranos. Like, uh, (laughs) I must be loyal to the law. I can't, you know, like, you know, it just, uh, it just, it just does not read to me like particularly good dialogue. And, Which is and, funny. Sorry, I just have to sure. jump in here because that's funny you say that because I, I agree. But I thought the best part of the first issue was him considering becoming a cop and why that was a bad idea. Yes. What, yeah. I completely agreed. Yes. One hundred percent. And you know, again, like it's not that it's not that the, it's not that the book is saying anything that isn't that Bruce theoretically couldn't have thought or have done in the past. It's just that it's presented here in a pretty clunky way. And that's a shame because I think there are some things that this book is doing well. 
you know, I, I think that um, for the most part, the book has been relatively enjoyable art-wise. Like I, I think D. Giantomenico is reaching into a new bag of tricks here that I'm not as familiar with. And I think that some of the stuff that's being done by Zdarsky is handled pretty well. I'm a I'm a Ducard mark, so I I liked the Ducard stuff because I just I, I like that character. That's one of the characters that I know gets trotted out a fair amount for Batman stories, but to me, Ducard is far more interesting than like a Harvey Bullock or someone who's maybe around similar amounts of time, maybe a little bit less than that. But you know, um, so I, I enjoyed the Ducard stuff a little bit, but I also feel like this whole to be the best uh hero i must learn from the best villains that mm-hmm. that's a that's a pretty lame take that's a pretty uh that's a pretty laughable take i would say on, on the character um i don't dislike this but that first issue i did have a little glimmer of hope that this might be something different than what i thought it was going to be the way, and I know you were not as impressed with this as, as Zach and I were, but the way that Batman the Imposter was a different book than we thought we were getting when that book started, I was hoping that this would be similar to that in that we w- I would walk away and say, you know what, I, I, I'm really glad I read this. This was a very different story. I'm not feeling that way just yet. Yeah. And again, like, I don't want to make it sound like like it's, bad i think it's you know my argument against it is actually a a little reductive i will admit um but if you're coming to the dc3 cast for um our opinions on these things i can't help but give them to you through the prism of a guy who's seen other stories where bruce wraps his hands in bandages and gets into a uh, underground fight you know Mm -hmm. Um, these things are not fresh to me and I can't, I'm incapable. I know some people, some people are capable of just like opening their mind. And uh, even if it's something they've seen before, if it's a riff on similar themes, they can just let it wash over them as if they're seeing it for the first time, or they can appreciate it for other things than, than what it is, I think. And I am, I find myself incapable of doing that. And I'll admit that, you know, like I can't, I cannot sit and read this and and pretend I'm excited or allow myself to be excited by a Batman year one all over again, you know, sure. or whatever it is. Sure. The, my only pushback on that is, and it's not, it's not a pushback about what you said, but you know, one of the things that you and I discuss a lot outside of comics is music and I feel like you are much more willing to give a band that doesn't change much credit, whereas I get very bored with that. Uh, but, uh, but I've heard, but I've heard you say like, "No, this is what they do, and I like what they do." Yeah. So I'm happy. So it's just interesting to me, and I know it's not exactly the same thing. But do you, you know? Oh I, yeah, I you're you're not, yeah, you're not like calling me out here for anything that I I don't understand about myself. But I think. Can I tell you what I think my rebuttal to that would be? Sure. If the national puts out another album this year or next year or whatever, that sounds like most of the other, you know, their sound has changed a little bit over the years, but 
it will still be the first new national album in four years or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. whereas we're reading shit that we're reading this week in week out. We're not getting a Bruce origin every week, but we're getting, <laughs> we're getting at least one a year, you know, <laughs> Fair. like, let's be honest, you know, um, Fair enough. So, so you're, you're not wrong. I, I think your uh, analogy is apt. I just think it's that, um f- fondness of distance or fondness of time you know that that sure. brings you around again sure all right well let's let's move along let's let's talk about the next chapter in shadows of the bat which happens in detective comics number 1053 written by mariko tamaki illustrated by max rayner so last week's issue really repeated a ton of stuff we had just seen the week prior and this week does a little bit of that, but this felt to me like substantially more of a story than we got from the book last week. And this, I, I'll go as far as to say that this to me felt like the most substantial chapter we've had in maybe three or four weeks of this story. Um, um it, in the in the Max Rayner stuff for sure. Oh, certainly the Max Rayner stuff. I would say even the last week or two of the the Reyes stuff. Sure. The, mo- the most happens here. Um, there's there's more consequence to these to these pages than the ones we've been getting recently. Um, but what do you think of the issue? So, oh man, I am so torn on this story at this point. I, how do I express this? Um, when I read it, I think Tamaki has spun a very professional sound piece of storytelling. And I, I actually really like, as I read this issue, um, the thing that I appreciated about it, that I picked out and, and really sunk my teeth into and enjoyed is just how the story of Dr. Ware is a story about a guy just getting completely underwater, like financially, reputationally, Um, he's got this, he's got this, um, veneer that he tries to maintain as this like respectable doctor at Arkham tower doing wonderful medical miracles psychologically, but we see everything under the surface is just going wrong for him. And it's one thing after another. And it's so, um, yeah, it beats you over the head with it, but it's all different stuff, you know, like he's in trouble with the mayor's office. He's in trouble with the law. He's in trouble with Cobblepot. He's in trouble, you know, like everywhere he turns, he's like sinking in quicksand. Right. And I think Tamaki is really nailing that and, and making that a really uh, keen point and actually pretty realistic. Like you can see how a guy got himself into this and is in over his head. Unfortunately, I also kind of think this is all a little bit boring. <laughs> Does yeah. that make any sense? Like, yeah, I think, like, yeah. I, I think it's really professionally done and like really well executed, but there isn't a lot else to sink my teeth into, you know, like a lot of the other stuff that happens is again, I'll say this again. I've said it the last couple of weeks. It's so expected, you know, uh, at the end of last week's issue, Huntress had this stuff written under her bed. Uh, his hold is breaking or whatever it said written in blood. Well, 
because we've read, you know, seven or eight chapters or whatever it's been of this story already, we already know that that's his hold is breaking. It's psycho pirate, or it's just the, the, the hold that's over all of these people um, is about to break. It's, and then Dick comes in in the next issue in this issue and is like, I saw these weird letters written under your bed in blood. It was in your handwriting. And all of this is like, well, yeah, we, uh, we saw that in the last issue. Right. We could infer ourselves that it was her breaking through this mental control and writing that. And now somebody else discovering it after we already have kind of kind of lands with a thud you know it kind of it right. has less of an impact the the characters in this story seem to always be learning things that we already beat, know a beat behind something yep. that we already know yeah mm-hmm. and that is making for what what could have been like a more interesting like the psycho pirate was the one reveal i think that i didn't see coming and everything else, it's just we're catching up with Babs and Kate and company all figuring out this stuff we've already seen. Right. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that is done with intention because I know that Tamaki is a smart writer. I, and I know this is a longer story. So it would be nice if at some point there's a real twist that like, oh, all this stuff we thought was one way is actually another but I'm a little worried it's just going to be them doing a prestige TV procedural for a mystery we already have seen the behind the scenes of. Yeah, I, I don't think you're wrong about any of that. I think that's really well said. I think that there is there is this epidemic in comics and in pop culture in general, but in comics in particular, where things can never be left um, implied. Everything has to be shown to you. This is really very clear on the Book of Boba Fett, which I know you're not watching right oh, now. Yeah, but believe me, I know between you and Zach talking about it and, and what I've read, I yeah, I understand exactly. Actually, that's a really great point for our listeners because a lot of them probably are watching it. So Right, you know, so just like this idea of, you know, we didn't need a lot of the flashbacks in the book of Boba Fett because that stuff was just pretty much implied. And now we know like, oh, so that actually was Boba Fett who found Fennec Shand in the desert. Of course it was like we we people guessed that in the scene that it happened. And then a year later, they showed they're together now. They're working together. So, like, of course, that's who found her. Why do you have to have a flashback episode showing that? And I feel like the a lot of this stuff here feels like well we have to show dick coming to this conclusion that the readers already come to no you don't you can just move on you don't need to show every single person coming to every single conclusion that that doesn't that doesn't make for a better story at all in fact i would argue it makes for a far worse story because it takes longer to get to the story then um so that's that's a big problem for me with this is just the repetition feels like it's there to serve this unspoken rule that we can't ha- we can't get everything has to be spelled out for us and you know I-, I know i'm speaking for you and zach when i say this but we are all big fans of twin peaks 
Mm. And the best Twin Peaks stuff is never said. Yeah. Or it's said 25 years later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's it's not it's just not hammered in, in, in it's not just hammered into you for no for no reason other than to, to take away any doubt. You know, we want I want stories that you and I can read differently and we can say, oh, I didn't take it that way. I took it this way. There is no way anything in this book can be taken more than the way it's intended, because after the the thing is put out there, after the idea is floated, we have to get like very concrete confirmation that that's what happened. Uh-huh. And that to me, that that is bad art. If, if art is only meant to be interpreted one way, I would argue it's not art. Yeah, and I think part of what they're going for is a weekly serial. Um, I don't not trash or or but like piffle like it. This is this is your daily soap opera, you know. Right, right. But I don't think uh, if it's that, it's not okay. All right, let me put it to you this way. One of the great things about Batman Eternal, I think, or at least my memory of it, was that every week there would be something kind of wild that would happen or like something unexpected. And because it knew what it was as a weekly bit of fluff, you know, whereas this is a like like I already said, a very professionally crafted, well-considered story that then is rendered a, a little bit boring by being stretched out over this many weeks and not having enough fun with it, I think. Right. You know, th- this is this should be treating itself like popcorn. Yeah. I, or at, or least, at, least I, at least I would prefer that. Yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, yeah, you know, let's just l- let let's let's be real here. This maybe is not the opinion of everybody reading this comic. But to me, if you're going to do, if the goal is to make it, you know, the, uh, the law and order SVU of comics in terms of like the very predictable, very formulaic, but sort of like comfort TV type story, then you have to lean into that more. Yeah. And that's and you not- got to show Chris Maloney's dump truck ass. Oh, of course you do. At least, at least once a month, you got to show that. Yeah. Um, and you got, and there's not enough iced tea in this either. <laughs> if that's the case, uh, I'm gonna, I'm they call gonna call themselves just... the party crashers. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, I presume you continue to not read the backup. Oh yeah, no, no. Okay, so I it, because Zach is not here, it's my responsibility to talk about the backup. Uh, this continues to be a really good Clayface showcase. He's not in it much. But the bits he's in, it's 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 multo bane, multo bane rather, uh, clayface stuff. There is some bane, some actual bane, not multo bane here, and uh, that's not as great. It's okay, but it's not not quite as good. But uh, this is this story has been getting more interesting, which is good. Um, and it still has a very good Fernando Blanco art on it as well. Hmm. Right, let's take a break and when we return we'll talk about our final two issues of the week so stay tuned 
Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with Green Lantern number 11, written by Jeffrey Thorne, illustrated by Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci. So, Zach is the uh, defender of this book, or at least was the last time we spoke. And I'm a little upset that he's not here to hold up his side of the argument mm-hmm. because I thought I don't, this, I don't think he could. <laughs> this is garbage, right? It's not very like I, I had some appreciative things to say about the last issue. And this kind of uh, dashed those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is very good. I think, well, so uh, in the in the lost episode of the DC three cast, um, uh, I said that I liked how it was throwing out these weirdo ideas and kind of letting them hang there, and uh, it was pitching them at you kind of like a mile a minute, and and um that was exciting. That's exciting in like a Morrisonian way to, to use a overused term on this program. Um, this issue doesn't do any of that in favor of j- just having the villain like cackle for 30 pages. Oh, for so that's long. all that, that's all that happened, right? Like that's all that happened. They got in this big, like, um, uh, uh, John, like the God ascended version of John got into a cosmic fist fight with the corrupted guardian. And it was just, the guardian was just cackling about how everything needs to end for like seemingly the entire issue. <laughs> yeah. The, nothing happens in this issue in no, that, no. with that stuff at all. And also, so I am, I am not somebody who needs my hand held through a lot of this I, I like i said i like it when there's some questions uh you know it can be overly confusing at times but i i don't i would rather a story be a little bit oblique or a little bit more um open-ended than tell us everything but i will say that almost everything happened with john stewart makes no sense to me mm-hmm. like we, we've been given the broad strokes that he's ascended but there, there hasn't been a lot of, I don't know, I found the stuff with the New Gods very both boring and hard to understand. Uh, so I just kind of checked out of some of that stuff. And so I don't I don't have anything really interesting to say about what's going on with Jon Stewart here. So that leaves me to be interested what's happening with Hal and Joe and Kelly. But that stuff is not handled particularly well either. Yeah. It's just a mess of an issue. It's almost unreadable, this issue. Uh, it is totally bogged down in its own bullshit. It is not drawn very well. I I have liked Marco Santucci's work in the past. I have liked Tom Rainey on other properties. Neither one of them is doing their best work 
here at all. And my notes, my first note says, this is cosmic gobbledygook with no emotional tether at all. And I, yeah. I, I hold, I, I hold true to that. Yeah. Oh boy. What do you see next month being the end of this story completely? I don't know because I kind of thought we we keep we kept waiting for us we kept waiting to actually see John Stewart ascended to the godhood which I feel like has been teased for months upon months right um and I guess it finally happened in this issue but you know there there's a character in here who like calls out to John and is like I think it's one of the guardians I think if I remember correctly and says something like this isn't even the ultimate villain. You have no idea the threat that's actually coming. <laughs> and it made me groan because I think, I think I believe it. And I think we're going to get another arc beyond this, but I'm worried. It's like, I keep waiting for the thing to happen and it never happens. You know? Um, well, well let, let me say one thing. There was no green lantern comic solicited for April. Okay. See, I don't read the yeah, I don't read the solicits. So I, I was just checking this because I know that I the solicit for Green Lantern 12 sounds very much like the end of a big arc. And okay. then I thought, oh, I didn't see a solicit for 13, and there isn't one. So mm-hmm. I wonder if um if the books are gonna go into hiatus for a few months until they figure something new out or what, but um yeah, I don't know. Also of note is uh, the cover for number 12 makes me think that they're going to do something that really pisses me off. And I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a slight spoiler warning here. If anybody doesn't want to hear this, just skip ahead 30 seconds. The cover is John and he's flying at the camera and there's a bunch of green lanterns flying around him. And it looks like one of them is Arisha or Arisa who was killed earlier in this run and Jeffrey Thorne made a big deal of like, we killed characters that needed to be killed because it needed to matter. And it looks like they maybe are not going to matter because they're going to be back already. I mean, did you really want that to stick, though? I don't know if I wanted it to stick, but I wanted it to maybe last more than, you know, a couple months. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I just have a feeling that he's basically going to that. And I have no prior knowledge of this. I think John's godhood is going to allow him to do what Hal tried to do when he was Parallax, which is which is resurrect the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree. And I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I just I just I just want this run to be over or to become something radically different because it's not it's not working for me the way that I thought it was going to. Um, and if, yeah. if that's how it, if that's how it ends, that's totally fine with me. I don't have a problem with that. That's that's actually that sounds more exciting than anything that we've gotten in a while. So sure, no, I, I agree with that. I I just feel like I'm better with people when they say like the reasons will become very clear at the end of the run, mm-hmm. and I'll say okay. Versus like we had to shake shit up. It had to feel real, and then it's all undone. Like that's that's what bothers me. So, you know, uh, Joshua Williamson just said something similar about Justice League. 
Yes, um, and that will and that will similarly bother me when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, uh, I I I don't know. I feel like there were some things that were being done in the John Stewart half of the book that I wasn't loving, but had potential to turn into something really interesting. And I feel like all of that has dried up. Yeah, it just it you know Zach's not on the show, but it basically was just uh, John Stewart like going Super Saiyan or whatever, and 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 that includes all of the emotional uh, and storytelling heft that that would imply, which is none. <laughs> yes. Yep. What a bummer this is. What a bummer. All right, that brings us to our final issue of the night, Nightwing number 89, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Bruno Redondo. Uh, this is my shit, man. <laughs> we all know this. This is not going to surprise anybody, but I think that Tom Taylor has such a good beat on who Dick is as a character, and I loved the fact that... So the issue begins with a flashback to Bruce and Dick helping... Clark find John when he's run off someplace. And I love that they had Clark in his shitty New 52 costume. Yeah. And, and Dick. Dick in his shitty New 52 costume. I um, don't I don't even like that costume and I still was soy face. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Even though like, I don't believe that John was around when Dick was wearing that costume, but that's no, okay. That's a it's a little bit of fudging there. Yeah, I but that's think. okay. I, I'm I'm okay with it. Right, I'm 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 fine with it. Um, but the like, Dick basically like using Batman's utility belt to give uh him to give John a lollipop, and then like, hey, want to watch me juggle? Just yeah. like oh, just these amazing little Dick Grayson moments, and there's some really nice Bruce and Clark stuff here. And I think that the, the John and Dick dynamic is just perfect. I think Taylor, for all the faults of Nightwing that we've thrown at the book for maybe not doing all that much, I think the thing that Taylor's Nightwing has done more than anything else is just Taylor has just keeps showing us this is who Dick is mm -hmm. and really has a beat on that. So I loved this issue. I thought that the team up was really fun and really nicely done. I thought the, all the other minor characters showing up were really well done. I love that Babs just sleeps in superhero t-shirts. She's wearing a Teen Titans Go t-shirt here and Dick is yeah. wearing uh Batman like pajama pants. Great visual gag there from uh Bruno, from Bruno Redondo. Bruno yeah. Redondo. Yeah. Yeah. Of his, you're not you can't see the pajama pants and then in his last panel before he uh gets into the next scene he's stands up and you can yep. just see the pants yeah, yeah that's wonderful it's really really good um i want to talk about something that happens in a minute but first tell me what you thought generally thought of this issue oh i loved it um i finally get to be po really positive about a book this week <laughs> um <laughs> and here's the thing i i have had problems with this run as you alluded to because i think like well it got roped into an event that i don't think it did particularly well with um, it did that, it did that. I'm going to call it a gimmick issue, um, that I oh, know a lot, hundred percent gimmick issue. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people flipped for the, the, the one continuous, uh, scene or panel or whatever you want to call it. Um, 
And I, I like that in theory, but the execution was just really plain and boring to me. It, it felt like, it felt like uh, that's one of those things that feels like it's trying to bait for awards versus actually like, sure. Yeah. Tell, you know, and I hate to say that cause it's, I, I know it's hard work and it's um, a, lo- a lot more talent went to into it than I have in, you know, that I possess at all. Um, and so, you know, I shouldn't really be saying that, but, um, but I think this issue really nails, it's my favorite type of comic that is not a Morrisonian comic. And what I mean by that is this is just, this is just a perfect mix of moving the plot forward, being a part of a um, status quo or narrative in the greater DCU and also nailing a bunch of emotional moments while pairing together characters that don't necessarily get paired together all the time. You know, um, it does everything that I want a comic to do uh, emotionally with these little beats between Dick and John that you already mentioned, Clark and Bruce discussing parenting. All that stuff is very rings, very true, true to their characters, true to life. And, um, and is funny too. Like it's, it's, it's legitimately cute and funny. Um, and the, yeah. And so it melds that perfectly with its role in the greater DCU, which I think is important when you talk about these books, that are not meant to stand alone necessarily. They're not mini series. They're not prestige series. They really should, they should be doing their own thing, but they should also be placing themselves within the DCU. And this book is doing that perfectly. It's exactly the type of book. I think every book should aim to be um, again on this like DCU status quo level, you know? Mm-hmm. it's the ideal version of that comic i think sure i could see that yeah uh so two two moments in the book that i wanted to talk about the first is uh the moment of i almost said clark but no it's jonathan going to the fortress of solitude and talking to the hologram version of clark oh man I, that was that was a very nice callback to a scene we've seen in superman the movie and and other you know uh, other moments of course but then him getting on him basically re- saying this isn't enough i thought was a really nice touch just really good and it, and it shows how much clark and john's relationship is is authentic and is built on real feelings and real connection i, I think it's just it's fantastic that scene was great the other thing I want to talk about was the death of uh, minor Titan yeah. Risk, who was created as part of the horrible Dan Jurgens. Yeah, created movie. by Dan Jurgens. Yeah, um, I believe the last time we saw him was he was having his second arm ripped off by Superboy Prime. <laughs> his I, first I mean, one. I believe you. I, I believe his first one was ripped off in Infinite Crisis. And then during Sinestro Corps, he's like, hey, motherfucker, I still got an arm. And Super Prime's like, no, you don't. And rips it off. I'm almost positive that's what happens. Uh-huh. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I understand. 
I would rather them kill off an incredibly minor character that no one's talking about than do what we talked about possibly is happening in Green Lantern and and make it a fake out that this person's gone. Yeah. Any, uh, excuse me. Any thoughts on either of those uh, notes? Um, I, I I don't mind the use of these um, minor heroes that we haven't seen in a while biting the dust in service of the story. I know some people get ticked off by that, but but I don't mind it. That was actually the the least offensive part about Heroes in Crisis and all that stuff were the minor characters that were getting killed off. It was more like who was doing it and why and how. <laughs> and also yeah. the, just the terrible dialogue, of course. Um, but as a function of the plot, I don't mind that. I actually like it's it's kind of a fun bit of like uh, DCU trivia or like, you know, like guys like us who just read everything and have been reading for a long time. It's kind of fun to be like, when did we last see risk? When did we last see risk? Uh, are they dead? Or did they come back? You know, like I, I kind of right. think that that's part and parcel with what's fun about uh, dumb soap opera superhero comics. Of course. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like that here because five years from now, we'll be like, whatever happened to risk, you know? Right. And, I also we, love that we got Aryan wink back in this. Yes. Yep. Suicide squad. Great. I love that. They keep appearing uh, in pretty much everything Taylor does now. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good stuff. Um, we yeah, also mentioned, I love this. She also mentioned that it's great. that Dick is funding the, like uh, the new, the like uh, underground newspaper that uh, John's writing for. Yep, wonderful reveal. And, and this issue made me forget that this was an issue of Nightwing. I actually thought for a second it was like an issue of Son of Kal-El, you know? Yeah, which it continues um, in, in a few weeks. Yeah, and I love that synergy. I think that's really fun, and I think more books need to have it. You know, as we've been doing the the New 52 project. Um, Patreon.com slash DC3Cast. Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Um, one of the things I appreciate about that book or about that status quo, despite all the various shits that were wrong with it, um, were like the crossovers, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the, almost every series had a comic where at the end, like the teen Titans would show up or right. the justice league would show up and they'd be like, Hey, what are you doing? What <laughs> you just got on our radar, bud or whatever. And I just feel like, Comics should do that all the time. Um, and it should be the it should be the suicide squad less often than it is. Right. And right. more often it should be other characters. Yeah. Well, I, I'm hoping that if because we know there's not going to be a Justice League for a little while after the death of the Justice League in issue 75. But I hope that when it comes back, it is given to Taylor and maybe we get John Kent and Dick Grayson leading the Justice League together. Sure. Why not? That'd be fantastic for me. Just, you know, I can't speak for anyone else's taste, but that's that well, is squarely up my alley. You are the protagonist of humanity. So, <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I'm happy to be a little peon cog in the wheel. But, uh, Vincey, what's coming out next week? Uh, let's see. I <laughs> I got it. Okay. Uh Action Comics 1040, uh Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target 5, Aquaman number 1, 
Blue and Gold, number six. DC versus Vampires, five. Deathstroke, Inc., number six. Detective Comics, 1054. Harley Quinn, number 12. Robin, number 11. Task Force Z, number five. Teen Titans Academy, number 12. And The Human Target, number five. All right. Well, if you need to find Zach on Twitter, he's not here to pimp his Twitter, so I'll do it for him. He's at Wilker Fox. I am on Twitter at Brian is a nap. If you need to find Vince, he is trying to sell me fiber supplements. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we'll change your life. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. I am thinking about reading all of the like main ongoing books, uh, <laughs> Star Wars books in Marvel that Marvel's published. Does that count ah! as sicko? Yes. yes. 100%. Yes. That is sicko. Okay. Okay, that's my new sicko shit. Weren't you just talking like two weeks ago about how mid they are? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You fucker. You absolute fucker. (laughs) Well, it's like I was thinking today, you know, I was like, I'm kind of interested in this War of the Bounty Hunter stuff. But if I'm going to read that, I need to read all of Charles Soul's Star Wars. No, you don't. And if Not I'm true. gonna if I'm gonna nope. do that, I should also read time. all of I should read all of the nope. like current Star Wars books. And if I'm gonna do that, I should go this back and read all of the Not stuff that they've done. We made up this one. <laughs> this one was invented by a writer.